Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. Wow, what God is really, he's, he's so busy, hey? He's always on the move. The God that we serve is a God that is active and is living. And he wants to use us to bring his glory into this world. So this morning we're going to continue with We Are Church Planters, uh, our series that we started two weeks ago. This is week three, the last portion. We are church planters. And today we're going to look at the fact that the church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. You and I are the hope of the world. God has raised up the church to be his agent of change in this world. Jesus has called the church to be his redemptive agency here in this nation. Yeah? And God uh, has called the church to be the, the body, no other body, but the church. He has called her to establish his kingdom here on earth. Isn't that powerful? Yeah? So I just want to open up in prayer and just pray for this message. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just thank you for what you want to do this morning. We thank you, Lord, for release of your presence in this place that, is just, um, that has just uh, filled this room already, even through worship, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that you open your words to us, O oh, Father God. And as it goes out, I thank you for an impartation and a stirring in our hearts, O oh, Father God, to fill us with all that you have for us this morning, O oh, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for that. Amen. Amen. So... Um, I want to start with what uh, Bill Heibel say, said about the local church. And I think it's really powerful, even though we, we haven't heard such great things about him. But if there's one thing that we know about him is that he's a man or has been a man that has been so passionate about the local church. And that guy that never wanted to see any church close because he always knew God wanted to do something big through the church. And this is what he said. Um, there is nothing like the local church when it is working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions, frees the oppression, and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. Still to this day, the potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. No other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. Where else would I want to employ the leadership gifts God has graciously given me? The church is the hope of the world. Isn't that so powerful? And I love the fact that he, sta he starts by saying the church, huh? when, it, when it's working as God would want it to work. Nah? And when I say church this morning, I don't want you to be thinking of a building. I don't want you to be thinking about an organization. 
When we say church, we are speaking about you and I. Those that have accepted Jesus Christ and as Lord and Savior as individuals, collectively coming together, being the called out or the ecclesia of God, yeah, set apart for his purposes. That is the church. So when I say church, I want you to be thinking, that's me. That is me. This message is not for an organization. It is for you and it is for me. It's for us. It's for who we are. Okay? And when it is functioning right, when it's functioning the way God has purposed it to be, it is so powerful because it is the place where people can come and encounter God. When, when, when the presence of God is released through the people of God, people encounter God and they're truly born again. Broken relationships are restored. Yeah? The power of forgiveness is released and people can see God moving in relationships. The church is so powerful, so powerful that Jesus was prepared to put his whole trust and hope in her. When he left this earth, he said, I am, I'm leaving, but I've set aside for myself a people that are going to be called out and they're going to finish the work. Yeah. He put his entire hope of what will happen in this world in us. He said, I've given them my Holy Spirit. I am in them, and they're going to make mighty things happen. Isn't that powerful? You and I, God is trusting you and I to make big things happen here on earth. Amen. The church is God's master plan. There is no plan B. Hmm? Jesus is seated at the right hand side of the Father. And he said, I've given my church the power and authority to continue the work. There's no, there's no plan B. The church is the first plan. Yeah? And, and God wants us to, to do his work. So... It's amazing, when we read Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be, know, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church, through the called out ones, the manifold wisdom of the Lord would be made known huh, to the authorities in the heavenly realm. We're not even talking earth here. We're talking angels, demons, principalities in high places. That God is saying, look at my church. Through her, my wisdom is displayed. Through her, my power is displayed. It's like a diamond. Yeah? It's like a diamond. When, when, when you have a diamond in your hand and you look at it, and, and the light, you know, when you, when you, when you hold it against the light, it, it sparkles different colors in different directions. Yeah? And that is how the church is. With the pure light of the gospel shining through her, yeah? she sparkles and releases all these multifaceted, multidimensional yeah? sides of God's wisdom into this world. Releasing power to communities, breaking darkness, 
and blessing communities. That is what the church does. It is here to reflect the glory of God, the wisdom of God, manifold wisdom. It's not just one wisdom. God, you know, when you look at God, there's so much to God. But through the church, he wants to display it. It's like that diamond shimmering, shining. That is what the church is like. You turn it around, ding, ding, ding. It's like sparkling and beautiful colors. And you're just like, man, wowed by it. Because through it, there's just so much of God to know and understand. Through you and I, God's wisdom is released in this world. Huh? It's so powerful. And, and, and you know, some, um, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Like, um, maybe let me just first read what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He was one of the reformers in the evangelical church in, in England. And he said this. He said, there is nothing beyond the church. She is the highest and most supreme manifestation of the wisdom of God. Nothing higher than the church. Most supreme. You know, there are a lot of people that look at the church today and they're laughing. And they're mocking the church. And they're saying, ah, what can she do? Some people are even laughing and mocking at you. Saying, oh, you're a Christian. What can you do? What can you bring to the table? These things are just, you know, ah, it's just religious beliefs and all sorts of things. You know? But the creator of the universe, God himself, chose the church. He chose you and I to reflect his glory here on earth. And though the world may look and laugh and, and, and do all sorts of things, we know that this thing is bigger than what they could ever understand. Probably even bigger than you and I could ever understand. Yeah? But we do understand through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that what God has given us here on earth is so much bigger than just you and I sitting here this morning. It's so much bigger. It is, it is God's heart. It's been God's passion from the beginning. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he desired to have a people here on earth representing him and bringing his kingdom wherever they go. And that is us this morning, guys. That is who we are. That is who we, we are called to be. All right? And even as God has called us, we need to understand that we are the hope. Because we are unstoppable. We are unstoppable. Jesus said in Matthew 16 verse 18 to 19, he said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against you and I. They will not. They will never. Jesus overcame the enemy. And if he's inside of us, he's expecting us to overcome. Because when we don't over overcome, we live short of what he's given us. The church is unstoppable. When you look at history, so many times there have been pressure against the church to stop her, to push her back. But every time she rises, every time she rises, Every time she rises, because that's what God has created her for. Remember that kingdom that Daniel saw. He saw a small stone that will continue to grow and fill the whole earth. 
There is no stopping to this thing. There is no stopping to you and I in bringing God's kingdom. We are unstoppable. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that for ourselves. There may be people that are trying to pressure you, stop and thwart the purposes of God in your life, but guess what? They will not succeed because God is on your side. God has called you and raised you up for such a time as this. And you are unstoppable. Nothing can move you. When we are founded on Christ, the solid rock, what can stop us? The king of kings, the, 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 the creator of the universe. Nothing can stop us. Jesus Christ is our rock. Yeah? We are founded on him. And we, we only founded on him when, 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 we, when we understand who he is in our lives and when we understand who we are in him. Okay? When, when, when Jesus was speaking to Peter, he asked Peter, who did people say I am? And he said, no, some others say that you're the Messiah, some say you're this, some say you're that. And then he said, but who do you say I am? Who do you believe Jesus is for you today? Are there all sorts of thoughts going in your head? based on the circumstances that you're faced with right now? Or do you believe that he is the son, the living, the Christ? Son of the living God. Do you believe that truly he is the Christ and besides him there is no other? Because it was when Peter said this, when God, because Jesus saw that you, Peter had a revelation of who he is. And he said to Peter, this you, you haven't received. This revelation you didn't get through flesh, but it was revealed to you through my father. Yeah? And that time his name wasn't even Peter, it was Simon. And he said, because you have a revelation of who I am, you will no longer be called Simon. But you will be called Peter. Because Simon means a reed. You know when people are not focused, when, they, when they're not convinced that God is it, that Jesus is it, they're like a reed going forth and all, in all sorts of direction. And that's why how Peter was. One minute he's, he's going for Jesus, the next minute he's running away because it, it, the pressure is getting too much. Yeah? But when he got this revelation that truly this is the Son of God, Jesus said to him, you are no longer Simon, but you are Peter. Peter meaning a small rock. Yeah? And then he turned and he said, on this rock, Pietra. Yeah? Peter is Petros yeah? in the Greek. Yeah. And then Peter, or Pietras, the, Pietras is Afrikaans, yeah? but Pietros there, I wrote it there. So you're a small rock. And on this rock, Pietra, he's speaking about himself, Jesus now. This, on this rock, bedrock, Huge rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Peter, you will be founded in me, the bedrock. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. So when we have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, we live out what he's called us to live out. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. There's just no way. God has called us to be an overcoming church. In, in Revelation 3 verse 21, Jesus says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as the Father gave me the right to sit with him. 
to him who overcomes. So he, he, he's not thinking, oh, if you don't make it, if you, he's thinking, I have given you everything inside of you to overcome. There is not, there's no option for us but to overcome. If we don't overcome, it's because we chose not to overcome. It's not because we were, we were not empowered to overcome. Yeah? We are overcomers. So we need to have a victor's mentality and not a victim mentality. Yeah? Because when we have a victim mentality, we're thinking, oh, we, we, it's, we become this church which feels like the devil is pressing against us from all directions. Yeah? And we're just here, oh, Lord. Huh? Some of you feel like that. I, I must just be cautious to stay safe because the enemy is pressing against me in all directions. But that is not how God wants us to think. He wants us to think, I am rooted in Christ. I'm an overcomer. It doesn't matter what the devil throws at me. It will not succeed against me. Yeah? And so we, we go out. In fact, the church is called to go out. To possess the gates of the enemy. We are called to plunder hell and populate heaven. So we cannot, we cannot do that if we're thinking, oh, the demons are around, let me just be here. No. Yeah? We're just protecting and defending ourselves here. No. God is saying, go and occupy. We cannot occupy with, if we are sitting here. Let me just play it safe. Because some of us are like that. We are, we are in this war and we are just waiting. If the enemy comes to hey, okay. But God is not saying that's how we should be. We should be a people that are going where the darkness is. And saying this doesn't look the way God wants it to be. This doesn't look the way God wants it to be. I'm coming in. I'm coming there. I'm going there. I'm going there. And the, the, and the demons should shudder and be like, oh my goodness. They're coming in. They're coming in. I'm doomed. Yeah? But often we have this picture of, of Christians or us thinking, oh my goodness, the demons mustn't come. They mustn't come. Huh? Do you know that the that, 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 that demons are scared of us when we understand who we truly are in God? When we understand our identity. And that's why the first thing the enemy always attacks about us is our identity. Huh? There's nothing that you're going to fight more in your life than your identity. Who am I? What am I called for? And then you think it's this, and then you get all these questions. How am I going to make it? Oh, no, it's just me. I can't do that. So many fights, and he tried it even with Jesus. Yeah? If you are the son of God, prove it. If you are the called of God, prove it. If you are chosen to bring light, prove it. So that, that is what he's constantly wanting to do. But we need to recognize that, no, God we, we cannot be stopped. We really cannot. Jesus said already he's given us authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and destroy all the work of the enemy. Not some. All. Yeah. And it starts with us believing it. If we believe that we have the authority to trample all the works of the enemy, then we will. Yeah. But if it's a thing of, oh, I think only some things, uh, you know, it, it's not going to work. It's what we believe. It's what we know about ourselves. It's that identity thing. Yeah? Knowing what Christ has done for us that is going to allow us to come out and do that. Okay? Those that are born of God overcome the world. We really do. Yeah? 
So we are called to prevail, to be victorious, to be triumphant, to conquer, to win, and to be successful. Not to have a victim mentality. You know, sometimes people go through, and, and, and you know, it's not to downflow, uh, I mean to downplay anything that we've gone through in our lives. But you will see two people going, going through the same thing, but one comes out completely different. Why? Because of the way they think about their situation. Yeah? You will see two people born in poverty. One will stay in poverty, one will get out of poverty. The one who stays in poverty saying, ah, I guess this is just how life goes and this is just who I am. This is what has been passed down from my generations and nothing can come out of that. And the other is saying, this is where, where things are at now, but this is not where I'm going to stay. I'm getting out of here. I am not staying here. I remember a story of Oprah. I, can't, I don't know if I shared it with this group or another group where she was saying her grandmother used to take her with, her, her grandmother used to do domestic work. And she used to take her with when she was uh, still a little girl. And then she'll be playing around and the grandmother would say, come pay attention. Look how I'm doing this stuff. Because when you grow up, you will be doing it. And she said, I remember looking at my grandmother and said, no, I am not going to do that when I grow up. I'm going to be different. And you know what? She turned out different. She really did. Yeah. So it's what we believe and how we take a hold of it. But God has really called us to be overcomers. And then the church um, has, is powerful. We are really powerful. We are God's power here on earth. Matthew 6 verse 19. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Huh? Whatever you bind, where? And whatever you lose, where? We just need to make that clear because there are a lot of people like binding things in the heavenlies. <laughs> binding and loosing in the heavens. Binding and loosing angels. Hmm? But the word says whatever we bind here, it will be bound in heaven. Whatever we lose here, we are declaring here, on earth as it is in heaven. We are calling down heaven to come and invade here on earth. God has given the church the authority to do that. You know that the world is a reflection of the church? Your community is a reflection of the church. In the olden days, they used to build cities around the church. They'll put a church there and then build the city around the church because they believe that when the church is around a city, it is protected, it is well taken care of, the power of God is there. Yeah? What, what is happening in the world is because the church has allowed it. The church has allowed it. We are not using our keys to bind and loose. What is happening at your work, if it's not good, it's because you've allowed it. What is happening in your family is because you've allowed it. And I love this testimony. While everybody else was saying, yeah, let's prepare. It doesn't look good. You know, you decided to stand on faith, isn't it? And trust God for something different. Yeah? There will be times when everybody else is going north. And you know north is not the way of God. But you will be required to stand and say thus far and no further. Where you can stand and say, you shall not pass. Hmm? This CSE march, some people are thinking it's just the church toy-toying and going on. If this thing continues in this nation and down the generation, 
we are seeing a, a nation of young people completely sexualized with, with gender confusion and picking what they want to be. It's because we've allowed it. Yeah? The reason why things are not changing is because there's so much apathy in the church. We want to bind and lose personal things. Father, I lose a car in Jesus' name. I lose my house in the name of Jesus. Where it is, I lose my high heels. Oh, those Brazilians. It's bigger. It's bigger than that. Yeah? We are called to bind and lose to bring change in a nation, in societies, in communities. If there's poverty in our nation, it's because we allowed it. If there's corruption, it's because the church allowed it. If we're not teaching the word, preaching the gospel and praying into these things, we're not going to see change. But God is waiting for us. You know, some people complain about their work all the time. Oh, that office is just not so great. I don't like it. Okay. But if you say, God, you have placed me here for a purpose. I don't know why this place is like this. But when I'm stepping in there, there's going to be a change. I'm stepping in there and I'm bringing kingdom with me. I'm stepping in there and I'm bringing your atmosphere. I don't care how gloomy, how depressed people are. But when I step in there, when the church comes to town, there must be a change. I remember we were invited by the president at the state house. And he had such a great topic, he, he asked a question, he said, what is the role of the church in a society of moral decay? What, what is the role of the church? And you know, I went further and I said, you know, he's got a great question. Why is there so much moral decay? And he said, you know, it's so easy for people to kill nowadays. You just hear a body was found there. You just hear this person killed that. What, what is causing that? And he had a point. We cannot be a nation that has a lot of churches and things remain the same. We cannot say we're a nation of 95% Christian and things remain the, the same. What is this faith doing for us? If God has called us to extend his kingdom here on earth, what does the kingdom of God look like? On earth as it is in heaven. There is no sickness in, in heaven. There are no diseases. There's no corruption. There's no poverty. All these things are not there. If that's the heaven that you're imagining going to one day, then rather, I don't think I want to go to heaven. Then I might as well just finish my life here. Why would you want to live forever and ever and ever in a place like that? The kingdom that we're called to extend is not just on earth as it is in heaven one day when Jesus comes back. It is now. The kingdom is advancing forcefully, forcefully, forcefully going into these different areas. So how different are our communities because we are there? How different is your family because you are there? Is your faith private? Is it a thing between me and God? Whatever people do, it's none of my business. I'm just here to serve Jesus. This Jesus that we're serving has called us to be salt and light. And salt can be tasted. You know when you eat that salty botong. Mm. 
You can taste it. Light can be seen. Does the darkness taste you in their midst? Can people, when you are in a place, can people taste, hey, where is this one coming now from with, with these kind of thoughts? Because they are different. It's not the normal thing. Are you bringing flavor? Are you bringing light in the darkness? Or are you just there in your corner, closing your door to pray, and then go continuing with everything else as everybody else do it? And you know, we are in different stages in our lives. Huh? And some of us may be sitting here today and thinking, no, but that's not who I am. You know, I'm still battling with my own issues. You know, this woman is really preaching a, a message that is it's just way above me. Listen, it's Christ. Christ in us that allows these things to happen. He has called us to be that standard. To, to bring social reform. To, to be the standard of morality. To, to bring true spirituality. Huh? So that when people want to be bound and fixed on cultural things that takes them back, you bring them out of it. We have keys to open and to close doors. No? This homosexuality thing that's big, these abortion debates that are going on, they're going to happen if we don't take our rightful place. They're going to happen if all we think is that we're called to be separate and let those people do their things. God has called us to go into the dark places and bring hope. If there are many churches in Babylon, there must be change in that community. We cannot have people getting drunk all the time, sleeping um, around, and HIV AIDS is increasing, and babies are being born out of wedlock, and it's just chaos. No. When the church comes, it's her responsibility. It, God gave her that mandate to extend his kingdom in those areas. There must be change. Amen. Amen. The church is so powerful. The church has been given authority. And if we are that powerful, and we are the hope, then we have to rise up and be what God has called us to be. So this morning I really sense the Lord saying that he wants his children to rise up. He wants his children to understand the seed that they're carrying. He wants you and I to understand the authority which he has given us. He wants you and I to understand the keys that he has given us. And that he wants us to know that where atmosphere changes, we go in and we set the pace. We don't go in and follow. We are called to rule and reign with Christ. We are called to be at the front, to be that prophetic voice. God has not given up on his church and will never give up on his church. God will never give up on you and I. He is depending and relying on us to bring change. And I want to go to the next slide. You see, there are things that we're supposed to permit and things that we're supposed to forbid. Hmm? We permit blessing. Our nations need to be blessed. They need to be full of peace, love, kindness, joy. Those are expressions of the kingdom. We forbid 
We forbid, even when you're praying, you've got a legal right to forbid injustice in this nation. Hmm? Hatred, bitterness, tyranny, despair. We do not allow those things to pass here in our midst and here in our nation. It is our mandate. You know, people love fighting for human rights. Human rights? Well, you know what, what your legal right is? <laughs> to win souls? To set the press free? To go in and bind up the brokenhearted? That's our legal right. We don't, we don't need a certificate for that. Amen. What's the next slide? Let the church arise. Romans 8 verse 19 to 21 says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation is decaying. It has been subjected to the ways of the enemy. But it is waiting for the sons and the daughters of God to rise up. When we rise in glory, when we take our rightful places, when we go and occupy as God has called us to, creation feels it. It rejoices. There is a difference. Yeah? Because we, we're bringing something different with us, and that's the presence of God. When the presence of God moves, when revival moves in a nation, everything experiences it, even the trees that are growing in the soil. But when a nation is in decay, even the land feels it. Hmm? There's drought and thorns and thistles. <coughs> Scary stuff. So I want to pray for us this morning. Let's just rise. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great I am in our midst, Lord Jesus. This morning we want to thank you, Lord, that once again you are reminding us that we are the hope of this world. There is no other. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. You have set us apart. You have called us. You have raised us up for such a time as this. And right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father God, that your sons and daughters will rise up and be released, O oh Father God. In the different areas, O oh Father God, I thank you, Lord, that there will be salt and there will be light, O oh Father God. I thank you, Lord, that they will not back down. There will be no defeat. I break that off right now in the name of Jesus. Every person that is feeling like they cannot overcome, like the sin that they're battling with is too big for you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I break that off. I break the lies of the enemy this morning, oh Father God, and release your blessing, your truth, oh Father God. I thank you for truth to be released this morning. In the name of Jesus, I see the light of God just coming right now to impart truth to certain people. You have been believing a lie about yourself, believing a lie about what God wants to bring, but God is saying that lie stops today. That those voices that has been speaking they stop today and i really sense that there's somebody who's just been battling 
with those negative voices. And at, at the end of this service, I really want to encourage you to come to the front so that we can pray for you. Because God really, he wants, he wants you to hear his voice. And I sense the Lord saying that he is, he is he's taking us to the next level. You're going to find yourself, the people in this church, that you're going to find yourself in places. That you're going to ask, how did you get there? Because these are places of influence. These are places that you thought were not meant for you. But God is saying, because I'm bringing you there, I've set you apart, as Mega was reading this morning, to bring my kingdom into that area. I see the Lord releasing creative ideas. I see the Lord releasing just, just um, his anointing to break the yoke in places. Hearts that have been crying out for their families this morning. The Lord is saying, do not give up. Continue to press in and trust me for those souls and those hearts. Don't give in. Continue to fight on their behalf. Cry out for their salvation. Cry out for their purposes. Cry out for their destiny. There is a web that is around them. And as you pray, it is losing. It is losing power in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for your blessing upon us we thank you for your truth and we thank you for your power that as we go out we shine your light wherever we go in jesus name we thank you and we praise you for that amen thank you for listening for more information about this podcast and other resources please visit envintook.org